Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another podcast from Teleeducation. Um, I'm really happy today to be joined by Dr. Daylene Fisher, uh, who is the Assistant Provost, uh, Dean of Arts and Sciences, and also uh, an Assistant Professor of English at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. So um, she wears a lot of hats there, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to uh, um, to have, be, have worked with and to know Daylene and, uh, and really appreciate everything that she brings in terms of wisdom and experience to the higher education landscape and just education in general. So we're fortunate to, uh, to have her with us today. So welcome, Daylene. It's great to have you on board. Thank you so much. It's great to be visiting with you guys today. Super. So uh, we always start these conversations out, Daylene, by asking our guests to tell us something about their personal education journey. So um, much to our students' um, surprise, we weren't hatched one day, you know, full <laughs> business dress uh, teaching classes. We all went through our personal journey. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, background on yourself and, and how you got here? Sure, I'd be glad to. Well, I, I actually love telling this story because I think like a lot of the students that I teach, we don't always know what we want to do when we're 18 years old, right? Um People change careers several times throughout their lives, and I'm no different. My undergrad is actually in behavioral science. I got an English minor. And so I kind of kept going back and forth between, do I want to be a psychologist? Do I want to be you know, an English professor or teacher? And I found that there's a lot of um, similarities between those two things, right? It's the study of human character. So I actually spent the first decade of my career working in mental health. I um, helped with case management of individuals who had different sorts of mental health issues. And I loved that, but I started having children, having babies. And when my children became school age, I ended up enrolling them in a private school that just happened to need a English teacher at the very last minute. It was actually the third quarter of school. And I said, Hey, you know, I might be able to do that. And so I popped into the classroom and the books I was assigned to teach were Pride and Prejudice, To Kill a Mockingbird, and A Brave New World. And those were some of my favorite texts ever. And honestly, the first day I got up in front of that class, I just was like, wow, I want to do this. And so um, I loved those, those conversations, the great conversations that can come out of literature, the critical thinking, getting to know the human story. Um, the connection between understanding how great literature can transform us. I, I absolutely loved that. I saw that happening with my students. So I ended up going on and pursuing my graduate degree. I was in my early 30s to mid 30s at the time, and I just kept going. So got that graduate degree in writing and editing. And then I ended up going on and getting my PhD right after that. And that opened the door for me to be at the university. So educationally, my children were in grade school, they were in high school, as I was also getting my degree at the same time. And I was a student. So it was really, really good for me to be able to see education, both through the eyes of a mother, um, as a student myself, and as a teacher. And having the chance to teach high school students, I think has helped me become a better college professor 
as well, because, you know, just learning how to put things together in a real clean way, in a way that doesn't just instruct, but also delights, right? Because that's the goal uh, of an educator is both to delight and instruct students as they move along that educational journey. So that's, that's how I ended up here. And so it's been a good journey. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I love uh, the point you're making about the importance of different perspectives and how that kind of really fills you out as a as a as an instructor and a, and, a, and a guide for students because you can see it from different perspectives whether it's from a mom from a uh, a person who kind of was pursuing a different career as a professional to yeah. a teacher to a just a reader someone who yeah. enjoys literature etc and you bring all that together and you can kind of and help students I I think one of the things that fascinates me about teaching students and similar to you I uh, started out even when I was in graduate school um, because I was in languages. I did substitute teaching. Mm-hmm. I taught uh, at schools and, um, and in a variety of capacities and in different subjects um, all the way through graduate school. And that certainly informed working with younger students all the way down to kindergarten up through high school mm-hmm. uh, had a big impact on me and what I did in the classroom. Um, I also think that's important going back to that kind of first stage of your career these experiences that students have. And I know one of the criticisms of higher ed in general is it's the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Students don't get enough. It's not practical enough for students and they don't get, uh, they don't have those experiences that make, uh, that make them, that help them de- obtain wisdom sometimes or help them uh, really get into the, get what they need to, let's say, out of what they're learning. So I know that, um, that you, both as an administrative leader and as a professor at uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan, uh, are really interested in student lives and really mm-hmm. committed to that and helping them grow up and grow out in wisdom. And I'm just curious, at, in your position, how do you, uh, what are you doing, both personally and with the faculty there and, and, and as uh, the leadership at Oakwu, to give students this broader sense of experience in life, as well as the great academic for- formation? I think that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking that. Um, I think that that is at the core of what higher education should be, but it's not what higher ed has always been. It's definitely what we want to do at Oklahoma Wesleyan. And our president spends a lot of time talking about the importance of educating the whole person, right? So right. in the past, you know, the reason to go to college has has shifted a little bit. People used to go to college to grow as an individual, to be transformed, to um, make, you know, for their heart to get bigger, to see the world through a different perspective. And that's shifted a little bit now to, I wanna make sure I have a career. Well, I think actually both of those things are really important. But the ironic thing is that while people used to go to college to grow as a person and to have their heart expanded, the professor during that time wasn't quite as engaged as the professor now is. So we've sort of shifted in that way. And what I mean by that is probably when you and I went to college, you stepped into a classroom, you sat down, the, the professor lectured for you know, 55 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on the day. And you just sort of took, you know, sat there, you took notes and you just regurgitated that information to some extent. Well, that's not necessarily a growth opportunity for students. So 
the way things are changing for us, and and I think this is true of most people in higher ed, is we're wanting to look at students in a way that we're seeing them from every aspect, giving them opportunities, not just to hear from us as if we have all the wisdom there could possibly be, but to make sure that they're engaged in that learning process. So we talk here a lot, and it's actually, you know, this is directly from Dr. Dunn, educating the head, but also the heart, the hands, and the habits. So this is the thought of educating the whole person. And so that can't just be something that is done outside of the classroom where, okay, the professor's in charge of the head and we'll let other people in the university deal with all these other aspects. It has to be integrated into our pedagogy, integrated into how we're interacting with the students. Um, and I t- we talk about this a lot. I think that professors are becoming not just somebody to look at and to admire and think, oh, I wish I had their wisdom, but they're, they're mentors. They're, um, yes. they're people who are walking alike, alongside these students and helping them find their place in the world. And that place begins in their classroom. So it's an opportunity that we don't ever want to miss. So that's, that's a crit. I mean, I think that's what drives a good educator is that transformative process um, that we get to be a part of in the mm-hmm. students' lives. No, that's wonderful, Daylene, and I appreciate you sharing that kind of perspective, particularly from an OQU perspective. You know, uh, people who know me understand, they've heard me talk about Oklahoma Wesleyan as a kind of a model of what I think small uh, Christian liberal arts universities mm-hmm. can be. And I, I love both from President Dunn's perspective, from you and others on, on the faculty administration, this intentionality you have about developing the whole student, but also realizing what your strengths are and playing to those. Um, you have right. a beautiful campus. You have a very intimate uh, uh, environment with your faculty and your students. And if anyone ever visits your campus, they'll understand um, mm-hmm. how family oriented it seems to be in terms of the way the students interact with students, students with faculty, faculty with students, et cetera. It really is a, a really vibrant and warm community. And I think uh, you know that that only comes from intentionality. It doesn't matter how big you are or small you are to really achieve what you've achieved. But I think you have a unique uh, organization or community that allows you to have those interactions with faculty where you can really develop that whole person as for the students. And I, I think that's a, it's a it's a great model, and it's what you know education, higher education originally was kind of intended to be. And uh, I I think you guys are certainly doing a fantastic job of doing that and and having that as a goal and working toward it as an organization. Thank you. Um, You know, we worked together, Tell and Mm -hmm. Oklahoma Wesleyan, and we were introduced and and started our our partnership around the notion of dual credit, extending your mission on into Mm -hmm. high schools and to high school students. And so that's, you know, you're wonderful partners and it's been a great partnership and we love to watch you grow in that area. But there are a lot of things going on at Oklahoma Wesleyan, not your expansion of dual credit, um, mm-hmm. you know, a new doctoral program, et cetera. So why don't you just tell us a little bit that uh, what's coming, all these great things that come from this small package that people yeah. might see. Well, thank you. Yeah. I want to at first just make sure that I say how great it's been to work with you guys. It's a wonderful partnership and I think dual credit is 
sort of the beginning of this, we call our um, concurrent enrollment program OKWU Prep. So just preparing students to come to college and getting those credits before they come. We've recognized that the trend really is that students are earning these credits before they come to university. I know that my children, I have four kids, they're all in college or graduated, and each and every one of them had almost a year under their belt or more before they came to university. That's just the way it's going. So I think that that's on one side of the spectrum. And back to the whole person, the whole person isn't just for the four years that they're here. And so I think that's been part of the innovation that we've tried to think about. So we're thinking a lot about when students first encounter us at Oklahoma Wesleyan, and then what it's like to experience Oakwoo while you're here, and then what it means to be an alum and to be sent, to, to be one sent into the world from Oakwoo. And, you know, we're a Christian university, and that's a big part of, of what we do. So some of our initiatives have to do with just fulfilling that opportunity and giving students as much opportunity as they can. So we have an academic center that has been revitalized and growing over the last couple of years. We have a full-time director. She's got certification in special ed, and she's run two different um, labs in the past and two different master's degrees. We, we love that. We have just started a an honors program, which has um, a specialized gen ed curriculum within that. The degree that the students get is in letters, and they take that program alongside another degree within the university. So it's not just a leadership program, like a lot of honors classes are, nor is it just about intellect, but it's about becoming service oriented, fulfilling their specific calling and learning really to think critically. I think the university as a whole, and I know the liberal arts aspect, we want to make sure that our students are able to think critically. This is Obviously, it's not hard to look around and see that this is a missing skill set for a lot of people in our society. And we want to make sure that we are doing our best to make that happen. So that's part of our gen ed core. And, you know, we're constantly researching and doing program research for possible new degree programs, keeping our eyes on the market. Our president does a great job of directing us to here's the latest analysis. Do we need to be looking at this? Um, What programs are really thriving and how can we lean into that? But maybe, you know, more important than all of that is we've reached this point of understanding that we're moving into this digital age. And so education is moving more and more digital and we wanna make sure that um, we're part of that. And so TEL has been a big, you know, player in that for us with the concurrent enrollment classes, but we're also um, starting initiatives with our faculty and where they're able to get training for developing online courses and delivering course content um, online as well. In addition to that, you know, we're making robust, robust use of our LMS, which is Brightspace at this point, and mm-hmm. making sure that our students have access to everything they need. COVID has changed things for a lot of educators, obviously. When COVID hit, we really poured into and continued the efforts that were already there of making sure our faculty knew how to really integrate um, Brightspace or our learning management system for our students so that students had access to all the course materials that they need. They were able to interact in that space, have a connection in that space. So I think the digital um, integration is something that we're focused on, not just now, but looking into the future and trying to figure out how can we 
maximize and give the students the best opportunity to go wherever they're feeling led in order to continue their education. So whether they're on site in an internship, and I would say that's another innovation that we have, we're, we're placing students in internships all over the nation. Our business school does an especially good job of this. Obviously the education department and, and nursing, our students are in the community. And sometimes to make that really workable, you wanna make sure that that doesn't mean you have to be in class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right. every single day. So we're not quite where we wanna be with that, but we're making good head, headway and working that into our curriculum and looking um, to the future for what that's going to look like. Because we think that's the trend um, right now, and, and we're working really hard to make sure that we're on that train. <laughs> you know, one of the things that's that's interesting about Oklahoma Wesleyan, and for the people who aren't familiar with with your university, they need to imagine you are a faith based institution mm-hmm. on a uh, incredibly beautiful uh, uh, campus set in. Um, in, in what I, for me, the Northern part of Oklahoma and in, Bar- in Bartlesville, but mm-hmm. in a pastoral setting, but in a less populated region overall, in some senses, and you're, you have some rural areas around you. Right. And, and it gives you, uh, it's kind of interesting to me, you have kind of, the, I see these three communities, right? You have your traditional faith-based community that's always there, mm-hmm. but you have your real local area in Bartlesville, which is a very happening place because it was a, one of the big centers of the um, petroleum development and refining in in Oklahoma. Right. But then you have the surrounding areas around that that are not uh, th- that are more rural area, and so you have these different communities to reach out to, and uh, and it's a unique opportunity because I think when I look at what Oklahoma Wesleyan is and what it represents, there's a common out there there are common elements across all of that. Uh, those areas that really allow you to play well and to be valuable to the people in each of those communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. And I would even add to that, that we have actually an incredibly diverse campus, um, not just in terms, I mean, it's socioeconomic, um, in terms Mm -hmm. of race, gender, people from all around the world uh, end up at Oakwood. A lot of our athletes are from Serbia or Spain or England. Um, so it's a wonderful cross-section of humanity that we yeah. have here. So sometimes I feel like students might think, oh, if I'm at a small campus, I'm not going to be get- getting you know, my world expanded. Actually, because it's small, you get to know people from all of these different areas of the world, people that may not be um, exactly like you and, and may not think exactly like you. And as part of being a faith-based institution and just having the ethos of, um, you know, Christ at the center of what we do, one of the things that we really truly believe is in this, you know, the idea of hospitality to where you're opening your doors and you're seating people at that table. And um, it's so exciting to see students get to know each other and to just have their world expanded in this ironically small space in northern Oklahoma. And so it's really, it's really an ideal community. And I would say that what we try to do is we try to duplicate that ethos with everything that we do at Oku, whether it be if you're in an online class, if you're taking a GPS class in one of our graduate programs, we want you to feel like you belong. And we don't just want you to have that feeling, we want you to actually 
live that out in the way our professors are interacting with our students, um, in the clarity with which we deliver the course content so that it's understandable regardless of your background or whether or not you're a first gen student or you know your great grandpa went to college, yeah. it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Um, it needs to be accessible to everybody regardless of their starting point. We wanna get people to the finish line as well. And I think the diversity is a huge benefit that students get when they um, attend Oku in any of its forms. And TEL has been great for that, I will say. Your course content um, is just so clear and it, it's something that we value because we think it's the ethical um, way to approach education. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be difficult to navigate a course. Um, it should be straightforward. And so that's that's where we try to land. Right. No, I appreciate that. And I, I, what something you said there just really resonated with me, Daylene. And it's this fact that um, you have lots of diversity, but because of the that kind of communal spirit and the the smaller size and intimacy, it's not as optional for a student uh, who hasn't been exposed to much diversity to kind of wall themselves off and not really right. in, interact with it. It becomes an integral part of their experience. Now, one of my alma maters is the University of Texas, which uh, I, that's where I did my PhD. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in Austin, loved being on campus and mm -hmm. an incredibly diverse student population in many ways. However, because you have 50,000 students or however many there are there, um, right. it's easy to be like in a city. You just live in your little neighborhood and really don't interact with other people. Right. Um, and, and, uh, one of the things I love about a smaller size, uh, community like you have is it really does encourage, I wouldn't say force, that's a bad word, but it just right. kind of naturally <laughs> integrates people so that they do learn from one another. And that's really powerful about a small institution. That is a powerful thing. And, and I'll just say again, you know, I think Goku does a fantastic job of embracing that, taking advantage of it and using it to your advantage. So as we kind of get to the end here, I do want uh, to get some thoughts from you about where you see, you've talked about digital, et cetera, and I know you look out at trends, but all you're very mm -hmm. focused on what you're doing there. Where do you see, you know, innovation going, things you need to pay attention to, and, and what are some ideas maybe uh, that are going on at OCU or around the other colleagues you talk to that mm -hmm. uh, about where the future can go? Yeah, I think that Considering this, I kind of love where things are right now. We attended, you know, it was digital this spring, the HLC conference, but a lot of the presentations just were coming back to this student-centric focus. And I absolutely resonated with that, loved it. Um, the idea that the student really needs to be at the center. So I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, which is in the past, classrooms were professor-centric. And now classrooms are sh shifting to be student centric. And I love that. And I think that that's the innovation that we're gonna have to continue to do to think about, hey, how can this project be less fill in the blank and more, hey, apply your critical thinking, apply your history, apply your worldview and what you know and what you're bringing to the table to still completing these objectives. And so I think there's a couple of things going on here. On one hand, I think there's a, big push to, to be very um, outcomes-based. I mean, what I mean by that is very clear, here's what we're going to learn in the course, and here's exactly what we're going to do to make sure you get there. 
But even within that sort of prescription, prescriptive outline of what a course is supposed to look like, how can the student then apply their experiences to that? I think that this is something as an English professor, it's hard not to do this because you know, you're asking right. students often to write about their thoughts on a book or to synthesize from multiple sources. I don't know that in every discipline that's quite been that way. And maybe I don't know enough about the other disciplines, but I think we're moving more and more toward not just, do you know this information, which is a key aspect and we need to make sure students do know it, but also how do, what does that mean to me as a student? And, and how can that transform me as a person giving students as much as possible an individualized experience within those boundaries of the course objectives. I love that we're moving to where we're, and I, and I just call it seeing the students, you know, like you're here, we see you, you matter to us. And this isn't about me as a professor. This isn't about us as a university. This is about you as a student and how we can make sure that you're getting what you need from this course content and that we're delivering it in a, in a way that you can understand it. And and I just love that. That's where I've, I'm seeing things go. Um, This, excitement about first-gen students and making sure that we're making things accessible is, is I think, a great um, stride in higher ed right now. And I'm really happy that I'm where I'm at at this point, because it's a great trend, in my opinion. No, it's, and it's a great time to be in education overall and higher education, I think, in yeah. particular, Taylene, and what you're saying is exactly right. Our mission is always, as, as educational organizations and institutions, to help students grow up and grow out, to gain mm-hmm. wisdom, to but wisdom that will benefit them in their personal lives. And, you know, I think traditionally we had more of a centripetal model where students came in and mm-hmm. we were kind of this repository like a dictionary and they, or the yeah. encyclopedia, they got the knowledge and then they went out and figured it out. Whereas now, as you were describing, they come in and they get this information, but we give them the ability to start making it relevant, even while Mm -hmm. they're with us, and being able to see how to make it valuable, and more valuable than what they're going to do with it, and to go out much better prepared, much with a much deeper understanding of how this enriches their lives, both personally, as well as professionally. And I think that's a big step forward for higher education. And it's one that, as you point, many are embracing. Mm -hmm. And uh, back to what the theme I've been hitting all along, I think Oklahoma Wesleyan is, uniquely positioned to, to embrace that, that trend. Well, it's exciting. And, and we love being a part of that because we really do care about the students. And uh, so it, it's a good place to be. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, caring about the student. And so with that, we'll bring it to a close here. Uh, again, I'm Rob Reynolds, uh, Executive Director here at Tell Education. And I've been joined by a very special guest, Dr. Daylene Fisher, from Oklahoma Wesleyan. Hope everybody has a great day. Thank you for tuning in.